places in five. Hello and welcome to Places in Five, your call time to live your life center stage with Fishman back in California and Liz in New York. How are you today, Fishman? <laughs> what is that? It's really windy here today. I is it? That was too, was it, I should have been more of a whoosh. Yeah, it's so okay. windy. It's been so windy here the last couple of days. It's really weird. You need but, some sound uh, effects. It's uh, it's good to be back. It's uh, nice, always great when your plane safely lands after mm. you fly. Mm-hmm. It's like that. It's a big bonus. I don't know why I even have that irrational fear of it because, of course, we know statistically flying in a plane is much safer than driving in a car. Yes. Um, but but when you have an accident in a plane, it just is. There's not a lot of forgiveness there. No. Or at least a car could just be a fender bender kind of. That's thing. true. Um, so anyway, but uh, I'm back, and uh, yeah. and it's all it's wonderful to be uh, in LA once again. Mm, how how is it? Okay, so as we approach Christmas and Hanukkah, where let's see, today is what day? Um, the sixteenth. So we're very 16th. close to those holidays. Uh, what is it like in LA? For this time of year, it's really bizarre because, of course, you see Christmas decorations and those horrible inflatable mm. Christmas decorations, and but without any cold as the back. Because even when there's not snow on the ground, at least the temperature matches with the North Pole decor, right? right? And here, it's just silly, um, and it's just and it starts with incongruous Halloween haunted. Yeah, incong, mm-hmm. perfect word, perfect, perfect. Um, so it is weird, but hey, people live here and they celebrate holidays, so right. what right. be damned? I no, I hear you, um, because uh, as we approach that here in New York, it is getting colder. We had a little bit of snow today, a dusting here in, in the city. Oh, yeah, just a little a dusting. dusting, nothing Have crazy, nice. though. Um, but, uh, you know, I actually had this conversation with somebody just briefly as I was leaving work and we were talking about I, I would I'm feeling a little Scrooge-ish. And and not because I don't love Christmas, because I think it's a beautiful holiday. It's another f- holiday to spend with family and you know enjoy. But it's so much work. And and you know, Hanukkah might be totally different, but Christmas is just so much work because after Thanksgiving, which I love, it's oh, all about, okay, running around and not necessarily these days because I bought a lot of stuff online, but Getting gifts and spending money that most of us don't have, you know, extra money that just buying gifts. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it becomes about that and then planning and getting together. And it just, I don't know, there's something about it. It's really kind of bothering me, the basic nature of it um, these days. But is it the the sentiment of the holiday has been so corrupted by the retail aspect of it? Yes. Because that's an... That has just gets worse and worse every year. That has never gotten better ever since commercialism. I mean, I just remember as a kid how romantic Christmas seemed to be. Just it was just the image of Santa and and family, like the Christmases that I was aware of. If I was at someone's house, it was just really beautiful what people do. Um, but it still it still seemed to be centered around opening presents. So all the work that goes into the presents and the wrapping them and making sure you've got the gift for each and every person, Mm -hmm. that's always seems to have been a thing. Right. But the difference is, I think, right, obviously for children, it's really about for children because I think it's beautiful for kids, the excitement and all that stuff. It's really fun. Um, For them, it is. It's just the adults get 
all the weight of it because, you know, we're, they're, they're doing all the planning and the buying and, you know, all that stuff. So I, I'm yeah. not, I don't mean to be scroogey and, and I love the sentiment of the holiday, but it always makes me think actually of a time, speaking of acting, when I was in a show, A Christmas Carol on the road, we did a, 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 a bus tour and went all over and did a million shows. And it was, it was awesome. It was an amazing experience. But I remember like Christmas Eve, I think I was in Pittsburgh or somewhere. And I was out with friends because we had finished a show and we were hungry and we ended up getting like burritos at the 7-Eleven or something, something so stupid because we're, you know, young actors, whatever. And, and it was probably one of the most fun Christmas Eves, Christmas days, because we all spent it together as a cast and just ate and performed, of course, that night or that day. And it, it was just probably one of the best memories of Christmas and Christmas Eve because it wasn't about that, like all about the gifts and stuff. It was just about us being together and enjoying each other's company and, and performing a great show, of course. But um, that's yeah. funny. I just, I don't know, it just made me think of that. So, oh, so yeah, that lightened my mood a little bit. But aren't you more than not the Scrooge, but the people, the solicitors who come to get charity for the poor <laughs> because they're the true sentiment of of yeah. Christmas and you don't like the commercialism. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying, am I not more that type of person you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. In the story, you're less oh, yeah. the Scrooge, the, you're, yeah. you're, you're the, or, or maybe you, yeah. Or I don't know. Or you're the evolved Scrooge that sees the, the, the beauty of Christmas rather than, uh, being all scroogey about it. it. It's just about the after Scrooge. Yeah. It's supposed to be about, the, the what it what the holiday really means and it's become so much not about that that's that's my problem with it I think ultimately but oh I think there's going to be a thing on TV by the way a, a Scrooge um, I mean a Christmas Carol like a modern yeah there's a new yeah one like there. Netflix mod, or something yeah. can we just tell you just the, I think so the, a Christmas Carol like this it just like you know, I, I, you, well, you well know. I mean, we had, uh, we developed the whole Will right. Company came out of that's right, Carol, and our desire to tell stories based on the fact that this particular story is one of the best stories I think ever so. written. It's got, it's, it's got everything that's great about great storytelling and theater and and the 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 those the three different ghosts and the traveling mm -hmm. through time and, and the perspective it gives oneself of looking at the past, the present and the future. I mean, that was so brilliant to look at all three of those and not just about what would it be like if I died, but to actually also think about what are those things that happen to you in your life that informs you to make you who you are That's right. today. And, and it's just, but the characters brilliant. are brilliant and such a, it is. Well, what's cool about it too is so it, it you're so right. It's it's the ultimate story because it has all of those elements, family and and love and and work and anger and fear and and want, right? And and yet yes. what's great about it is it, it it's also about redemption. Yes. Totally. Which is, you know, he has the chance. Scrooge has the chance to relive his you know, to start all over again, so to speak, before right, he dies. Right. He didn't run out of time in the end. Right. He has time. He, he gets enough time, whatever that is now that, because in the very moment that he, and he actually takes action on it. He doesn't mm. get the awareness and then he's like, okay, I'll, I'll see how I feel 
you know, and I'll get, I'll, I'll figure out when to make a change. He's literally changed to yes. the core yep. and he does nothing but goodness from the moment that that happens. And we, and then in the final moments of the story, we experience all these acts of kindness he does in a matter of moments, right. uh, uh, you know, on the page. And Such it's just a, amazing. It really is. Charles Dickens is probably one. It probably is one of the most classic, well-known worldwide stories. I mean, I, I'm guessing you gotta gotta be. It's gotta I would be. think because it transcends religion and language. I would think that it's been translated into tons of. Um, um, yeah. yeah, I know it's so cool, and of course, our dear departed Brett Penny, who loved the story more than anybody. Yeah, just so, I mean, he nobody that I've ever met embodies that story. You know, just his, he just lived to tell that story. Yep. I think that was his favorite thing to do when he would go up to Hartford mm-hmm. and perform that yep. thing every winter. Yep. Um, and it was so wonderful. I remember how excited I was for him when he got hired to yep. do it. Because he'd been doing the Christmas Carol for a while, and he really would. It was such a great opportunity um, that he pretty much created by selling himself into the whole yeah. idea, um, and um, and people really enjoyed it. I, I witnessed Me it too. myself, and uh, and um, and it, people mm-hmm. loved it. You know, they just loved him yeah. for doing it. And it was great for him to experience that celebrity in the in in what in where what part? I, I can't remember Hartford. exactly. Yeah, um, and um, and just like it, just it was so great. Yeah. I was so happy for him. So that's a nice memory to have. For yeah, and that we got to all do to, it together too, as a company in the in the world World uh, Trade Center, and just I mean, so many years of having that as part of our. Uh, beginnings of the Will Company and as actors together. and Yeah. So it's interesting. This time of year, it's like some great memories of that. So I, yeah. I, I miss it. Yeah. I miss it. I miss like that, those times. Yes. The time. Yes, totally. The times yep. of, of being, right, that creative artist in, yep. in New yep. City. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so one of the things, is funny, I was thinking about the other day and I, it's something that's very, it's interesting how, uh, I guess it's it's very common amongst many actors, and I've been having it a lot. Uh, the Actors' Nightmare, which oddly enough um, was a play called uh, of Christopher Durang's. Do you ever yep. recall, you recall that? Love it, love um, the play. Yeah, and I don't love remember it. much about the play, but uh, except some of it. But um, and I looked it up, and it was a one act comedy, The Actors' Nightmare, and it was about a guy who was mistaken for an understudy and forced to go on stage without knowing any of the lines. Um, and then it talks about, you know, the going up and, and actors having that problem. So it's funny. I have a lot of those recurring nightmares where some sort of other situation is I'm either about to do a show, open a show, backstage, learning a show. A lot of it's musicals, not necessarily just plays. And I I don't know the material. And I say, oh my God, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't go on stage. We can't open the show or whatever it is. I don't know the material and the panic that ensues as a result of it is so like real, right? You know, when you have those kinds, anybody has a nightmare, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. and I usually, sometimes I'll actually recognize that I'm in a dream and go, oh, oh, doesn't matter, Liz. What's the big deal? You know what I mean? You're, you're going to wake up and it won't matter. Oof, thank God, right? Right. So I have those frequently. I know Joe does too, but um, 
it's fascinating because I think it's a common occurrence. I mean, I put it in the acting world because it's an actor's nightmare. It's that feeling of basically what it is. The underlying theme is feeling unprepared and so afraid you're going to fail in front of an audience or in front of other people. I guess that's ultimately what it is, right? Totally. Absolutely. It's failure. It's failure. Fear of failure. failure. Absolutely. To be exposed. Right. 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 But but you said when you and I talked about it, you said you don't have actor nightmares. I do. I, my, I live, it's not, I don't have the nightmare. I live it. I live whenever I like, you know, and and since the last play I just did, I found it remarkable that once again, I have this thing I've, I've, I've now performed, you know, a decent amount of time in my life, but it just, the moment before I have to go out on stage is the most terrifying experience Mm that I can have. Right. And, 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 and in that moment, try to explain that to people, try to explain that to people who don't get it. Well, it's ultimately the fear of failure that I'm going to be exposed. Like I'm worried I'm going to forget my lines. I'm going to forget what I'm doing out there that, that people are going to hate me and say, and say, what the hell is this guy doing out here? He's an awful actor. You know, he's just not mm. like, we see everything you're doing. You're not good at that. Why are you here? So here I am making a statement that I'm mm. an actor and I have such fear that here, like, how dare I go out onto the stage and make this declaration that I am this thing and I'm going to fail. Like it's the worst, this is the, it's the worst feeling. Mm. And then I get out there and I start doing it and it's fine. Right. Um, and it goes away, but I have it like every, and like this run that I just had over six weeks, I still had it to the very last performance mm. I had it every time. So, and it's just crazy. Like a sense of like a panic attack feeling. I had, one of the performances, and this has happened to me now in every run that I've done recently for the past several years, is I have one performance where it's a legitimate panic attack oh, wow. where I think I'm going to pass out. And I totally freak out because I'm like, oh my God, if I pass out right now, I'm going to ruin this show for everybody. Mm. And I feel like I'm going to pass out. In fact, I had... Um, I had it right before I went out in this last show and I quickly thought to myself, oh my God, okay, there's a chair. I'm supposed to be standing in this scene, but nobody will care if I sit down. It's within my power. I can take control of the situation. I can sit down if I need to. So I got out there and I hung, I held on to the chair and I thought I was going to break the chair because I was holding it so tightly. And I kept thinking, you can sit down, you can sit down. And I was like, no, don't give into it. Don't sit down. That's not the blocking. That's not, you know, you'll be sending it. That's not the scene. And, um, and because this is about tension and you can't sit because then it won't be true to the scene. And so, and, and in the meantime, I'm having this panic attack and then it slowly started dissipating and it got out of my system. Wow. So yes. So to answer your question about panic attacks. Wow. So you were having like a dual experience, which it's funny because I guess people have this in real life too. Maybe they're having a tough conversation. They're having an out of body experience, kind of having their own conversation in their head while they're having that tough conversation. Right. I'm using that as an example, but so you're actually on stage, you're feeling, okay, as an actor, as a person, I've got to keep it together. And yet you're continuing to, uh, have the lines and the show. It's, it's, it's such a dual experience. It's so bizarre. It's hard to explain to people, I guess. Right. And that's when I, and then, and in retrospect, every time I look at it and I go, I'm a fucking lunatic. Like it makes no sense. 
Like, this is such childish behavior. I'm making all this up. There was no outside force. There was no input into my body that should make me have this reaction. It is all completely made up in my brain. And yet, I'm creating a situation where I'm almost physically debilitated yes. by it. And how dare I do this with my brain? Like, what a waste of drama. Um, I'm putting it, myself through. So I don't quite understand. Well, it's an ancient, I mean, I've learned a lot about this stuff, but it is an ancient part of the brain, the fight flight mechanism. And it literally, I think it, they call it the monkey brain or whatever, but it's, it's, it's in the back of the brain and it starts, it, it, it freaks out irrationally, even though there's no, you know. Yes, but I'm not being that's chased by saber-toothed tigers. Like, I get that. I'm fucking on stage in this, like, like you know, perfect environment. I'm safe from real harm. I'm pretending to be in harm's way where people around the world are really fucking dying and starving. And I'm an actor. I'm pretending that it's happened. And here I've created a situation that's because the fight or flight no, syndrome. No, but you like, see, you don't understand the mechanism of the brain because the brain doesn't, doesn't differentiate. It doesn't differentiate whether you're being actually chased by a bear or whether you're just having this fear of something else. So it, because it's, it's a very basic, um, instinct. So, I mean, I, I don't know all the science behind it, but I've read enough to, to kind of understand the concept is that it, so it feels the same as if your life is on the line. Yeah. Well, you have to, so you can be having another podcast. We need to, no, I'm telling. I'm telling. I, I will give you the scientific facts behind it because it's real. It's real. No, I totally believe you. I totally. I'm with you. I totally get it. But it just. It seems the, odd. The scientific fact doesn't get me to change my brain. Right. Or maybe if I read about it, maybe that would give me. Some but even, no, because that's the point: is that we understand that there's only so much level of control on our brains because they are an ancient animal or piece of jelly flesh in our brains that, that, uh, that controls so much of what we do. And, uh, oh, I'm way too much. Jelly. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just, it's just fascinating. So the actor nightmare and I, and I think this is a, a common experience, not just for actors, but for people. And that's why the, all this fear, uh, public speaking, right. Um, going to ask their boss for a raise, uh, talking, some uh, scary topic to your teenager or having a, an honest conversation with your spouse. I mean, these are things that bring major fear into our bodies and our brains. Um, and so it's a common experience, but actors, you know, we, we, we get it from the stage. You know, we've had that experience of walking on stage and thinking, Oh my God, I don't know <laughs> what I'm supposed to say. I, I remember being in a musical many years ago and, I walked on stage and the spotlight hits me and I'm up high and I think, and I was supposed to have this emotion and, and I thought, I don't know the words to the song. I don't know the words. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm freaking, oh my God. And then the words came. That's what I'm talking about. <gasps> oh, oh my God. Horrible. But you know, what's interesting. It doesn't happen when I do camera work. Hmm. I don't have it for camera. I don't, I don't. Cause it's not live. Yeah. I mean, I know that if it screws up, we do it again anyway. And I know that That's as prepared right. as I am, they're going to redo it anyway. Cause they've got their side of it that they've got to deal with. It doesn't mm. matter if my performance is good or bad. I'm going to get a second take. Um, mm. so I, at least two and many, you know, when the student, I like that. that. Um, 
So for the camera, I don't so much worry about it. And I also appreciate for the camera, because it's so intimate and sees into your eyes, that if you're freaking out and having a, another agenda, the camera sees whatever your agenda is. Now, it could work right. really well for the scene, actually, that if you're saying one thing to the characters, but you're really feeling panic inside, and that's what came across, maybe that wouldn't be a terrible performance, you know? Um, right. But anyway, it's just, mm. it's, it's weird. It's, well, it's the live experience. But yet, but yet I do it anyway. Right. That's the, what I find most interesting of all, that despite the nightmares and the worrying about being you know, found out in a fraud and all of that, as you were saying, we do these things anyway, That's despite right. the fear. That's yeah. right. Because that, I mean, it's been a while since I've been on stage, but I remember, I remember those feelings very clearly. I mean, I literally had, like I said, an act, like three actor nightmares last week, I think. But do you, do you have that at all when you release something that you've written? When you put something out there as a blog or um, whatever it is that no. you're sharing? Nope. Nope. Right. I don't care. So I don't care. Well, that's good. Uh, because that's so much of your creative work now has been about written right. word. Well, and, um, I guess because it's not so, it, you know, they don't see me, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's a less tangible, but at being in a live performance, you as a either comedian or in plays or whatever, or as a performer, uh, me and all the shows I did, just coming out on stage, that fear. And it's funny, whenever I, I, I've thought about this, I think I went to, when I last went to see a Broadway show, I, I, I look for the actors and I'm thinking, oh gosh, what if anybody goes up? You know, the, the old go, goes up means forgets their lines or whatever. And, you know, most of us know how to recover pretty quickly. I've been in many plays where I've either gone up or somebody else has gone up. I have to say, I'm sorry, I really like how you explain the theater glossary terms. <laughs> well, people who might not understand what it is. It's so funny. Going up, right? Well, sorry. well how would sorry you know, right? So, um, it's about learning. Remember, our podcast is about learning. Um, so, pause. Um, I learn every day from you. Thank you. Me too. Oh, thank you. And and, and you. Um, and Oju, Oju Entertainment. Uh, so, what I'm saying is that the the feeling, well, most of, you know, it's like being a professional anything. You know how to recover from it, right? Usually, if you, if you screw up, somebody will pick up for you or vice versa. And so that you feel better about that unless you're alone on stage and then you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's, it's just, it's just amazing the the whole experience. And um, I think everybody's felt it because maybe they've been in a play when they were young, you know, in school and elementary school, even high school, whatever uh, played in a band. We, everyone's kind of had that experience and it's just a fascinating, I don't know, thing. It just, and that it still exists even in many, to me, many years after I don't really perform on stage anymore, that it still is in part of my psyche. You, th you're, you're, I'm sorry, you think that it's not part of your psyche? No, it is. I said it's fascinating to me that it still exists as part of my psyche, oh, that I can that literally have. And that doesn't surprise me at all because it's just right. who you are. Right, yeah, right. It's totally it's, like I didn't... Yeah. I'm not in a play right now, so I shouldn't be having that per se, but I'm, but that means somewhere in my psyche, oh. it, it's, it's speaking to me and reminding me of those fears, right? Well, what's really great to hear about it though, is it means you're fully engaged in your life because if you're equating it to how engaged you, so as a performer being on stage, that completely filled you like that's so who you are. Mm -hmm. And 
So if you were that engaged at that moment and that's what you were going through as a result of that, and now you're going through that same kind of angst because you're that fully engaged in making decisions for your life, because you're not passive. Right. I mean, so many people just do their thing. They do, you know, they go about their business and they just do their thing and they accept mm-hmm. their lot. And you are constantly looking to improve yourself. What's the, how, how do I connect with being right. me? How do I be right. the best me right. that I could be? Mm-hmm. You're fully engaged yeah. in that. It's cool. So it fills you with anxiety because you want to, you want right. to get the most out of it. Yeah. Okay. That's a, it. that's a good, um, uh, how much do I owe you for that? Uh, I think five cents. Lucy Van Pelt. Yeah. From I just I think what I'm doing right now is I'm paying it forward. From I'm giving you the benefit of my therapy. I'm just giving it. I'm 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 sharing that. Yes. Mm, Thank you. Well, no, that's good because I actually I think that's that's an accurate um, assessment because I do feel like I am every day trying to be engaged in what is my day about. Where am I going? What do I want to do? What What does my future hold? How am I feeling? I mean, it's I, I feel like I'm constantly in that that swirl. So that's probably why I have those dreams. Yes. There you go. Wow. That's cool. It, it, oh, oops, there you go. And do do do. There you go. It just told us. Um, it just told us uh, the, that we're coming to the end of our time. <laughs> very much. There you go. That's a, it's been a wonderful that, afternoon. That's the universe with you. That's the universe telling us we have to uh, wrap it up, and so we must. Um, before the end of the year, as we go into 2020, which again, to me is freaky, freaky, freaky. Um, we're going to do a, a end of the year podcast wrap up because I like that sort of thing. We kind of alluded to it a couple of podcasts ago. And um, and this was the year we started this podcast. So it's very exciting to see what we're going to do for next year and how we're going to you know keep going and and advance this change. Oh, can we say that there are new things coming for 2020? Sure. You know, we've got some new programming planned for the new sure. year. Sure. Why not? Uh, sure. We don't have to necessarily mean it, but we can say it because it sounds We can great. say whatever we want. That's right. Um, Part of yeah, looking forward to 20. I love 2020, the, like, the evenness of it, and it's I two of too. the same number, and they're both these big, juicy numbers. And it's really the future. Like, I never thought I would live in 2020. That's like a start, like star date 2020, you know? I know. And, Trek in the 1970s, whatever the hell that was. It's exciting and intimidating, I have to say, uh, because, and then we'll talk about that in the next podcast, but because it's, there's so much that I want to do next year and yet it's, uh, it's exciting. It's exciting and intimidating. I don't know. It's, it's kind of cool. Well, maybe there would be a good start would be to limit it to some doable things to do so you can really feel good about working towards them. Yep. We'll talk about that in our next podcast. Anyway, because I think, okay. believe it or not, my computer is dying. <laughs> all right. So there's a teaser. All right. Oh, so all right. So on what? that note, uh, what? What? And see. see. <laughs>